Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. If there's one thing I love about today's guest, it's that she knows who she is and makes zero apologies for filling the room with her awesomeness. Phyllis Williams Strotter is the ghetto country brand mother and is a certified brand strategist, business coach, and writer. In this conversation, she shares her love for business and helping people to become who they want to be. She talks a lot about branding, what it is and isn't, respecting your business, and not being embarrassed with who you are. Throughout the conversation, she shares stories and lessons learned along her journey from barbecue to branding. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 641. All right. Well, Phyllis, welcome to Getting Work to Work. It is great to see your smiling face this morning. You too, sweetheart. This is good. I'm, I like being on the other end. It's like, then I don't nearly talk as much. <laughs> That's, what <you> think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about podcasting is asking the questions that get people talking. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. So I don't know what answers I got, but they might come out any kind of way. <laughs> Well, that's what I like to hear. Well, first question for you. What's filling your curiosity tank this morning? Uh, oh, my goodness. I'm curious about a lot of things. Um, when it comes to when it comes to what you do, like you do it so frequently and so. And, and I'm not saying you're flawless, but you do it so flawlessly and that you're in your consistent behavior of podcasting. How do you how do you make that happen? Because it's like, man, I do it every other week. And it's like, what am I going to talk about today? So how do you keep on that that whole consistency thing? Wow. You just turned my question into a question. That's yeah, because that's I'm curious about it. I want to know how people come up with so much content. But that's that's the brilliant thing right there is being around people and being able to ask the questions that draw out mm-hmm. the things that you're curious about. So like, for example, uh, I'm constantly reading. Okay. Um, I mean, lately I've been reading like James Patterson novels. So I mean, it's not like <laughs> the greatest things in the world. But uh, as I'm reading, I'm writing down quotes. I'm writing down ideas that are interesting. Or I'm just interested in... Like the thing that really has me curious this morning is like I've been reading these James Patterson novels and like the first chat, the chapters are super short. Yes, they are incredibly short and they grab your attention in every chapter. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that to me is really interesting. So it's like, how do you do that in a podcast form? How do you create really short chapters that hook people's interest? Um, so I just, it's that kind of thing where I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm paying attention to what pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the things that I'm responding to in my podcast are just things that piss me off, but mm-hmm. I, but I rewrite it in a way so people don't know that I'm pissed off about them <laughs> or why well, can't they know you're pissed off? I'm, that was, um, my ex mother-in-law, one of the things she used to tell me, if you can't fix your face, stay home, but you ain't said nothing but a word. Watch me sit here. So. <laughs> I I am very passive aggressive. So, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm like you, I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when I set out on this journey for me, podcasting started as a monologue. Mm-hmm. where I gave myself some rules. I'm like, I know I can talk about anything for 10 minutes. 
And mm-hmm. let's just see where it goes. And then after 12 episodes, I'm like, I'm bored. I'm going to run out of things. Okay. But the thing that I've learned is that most people that I talk to who say exactly what you said, wow, all this, all these monologues, mm-hmm. where do you get the ideas? I'm afraid I'll run out. You never run out. It's, okay. a, it's a fear that you'll run out. And when you sit down and hit record, it's amazing what comes up. Yeah, yeah. I was doing one and um, like because I'm in here, my husband puts all this up because he does voiceover work. And so my daughter was sitting on the other side of the curtain doing her schoolwork while I was recording my podcast. And she actually said to me when I was done, like, oh, mom, that was good because it was about solopreneurs and relationships and all of the different things we have to navigate when we work alone. Mm-hmm. And for my daughter to say that it was good, but then only to find out that I had crappy ass sound. Oh, it just broke my heart because I was trying to, I'm like, I'm not using my husband's mic. I'm going to use my own shit and put, and it's like, it just, the sound quality was so jacked up. And it was like, but my daughter said, this was so good. So I have to put it out there. I couldn't turn around and record something else because for a 15 year old to actually find value in something about business and relationships, it has to be something there. So I kept it. I just put a disclaimer at the beginning. It's like, okay, here it goes. Crappy sound quality, but I love y'all. Bye. <laughs> I mean, that right there is, is the, the biggest lesson for anyone listening to this to hear is like you push through whether it sucks or not, because yeah. one person found value out of it. Yeah. Even if that one person is you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I am big on, like, I tell people I am not a domestic goddess and all of that kind of stuff. I am not Susie Homemaker. <laughs> I am probably one of the worst moms, but my daughter loves me dearly um, because I do. I love working. I love helping people build businesses. I think every business should be successful. I think most businesses should be pushing, like, making at least a half million dollars a year, if not more, because of what they're trying to produce and what they're trying to create. But so much of what we need to know to run a business is left out because we get caught up in, this is what I know how to do. So let me do this. Mm -hmm. And because yes, you can monetize it, but sweetie, once you monetize it, you still have to know how to run a business. (laughs) And that's the part they leave out. It's like, well, can't I just make this and hope people will show up? No, you got to learn how to market. You got to learn how to brand. You have to learn all of these things but we get so caught up in the busy work, the day-to-day, that we don't look at the scalability and the growth that we want to achieve. Sweetie, if you're not talking about it, who's going to talk about it? You're the only one that knows about it right now. And friends and family are going to get tired of buying your shit. So at some point, you got to learn to market. <laughs> so true. What got you interested in business? My dad, way back when, um, I started working for him when I was 16. Don't work for your parents, if at all possible. If you have an arrogant parent, because my dad was arrogant as hell. Oh, but I won't go down that road. Um, But um, when my father started his business as a real estate broker, I started working for him. And just um, despite the the arrogant attitude of his male bravado, just the the independence and the confidence of it all. And back then, I had very low self-confidence. But I always had that as part of my history to run my own business. So when um, so when I went back to school to get my degree, because I dropped out the first time, but when I went back to school to get my degree, I was getting it in personal finance because I saw so many people that I knew and loved struggling in uh, in their finances. 
but nobody really gives a shit. They rather struggle than actually learn how to run their finances. So that business failed. And so I kept my job. But it wasn't until I met my husband and knew that he should be cooking as his profession that I decided to try it again. And I opened my big mouth. I was like, hey, baby, would you rather do this than work at the bank? What did I say that for? (laughs) (laughs) And so when we got out there and because he was able to do the thing that he was good at, because he was able to cook, I could do all the administrative stuff that I was good at. I started my career as a secretary and assistant and all of those type of things. So getting into it from from actually uh, a a co-owner perspective, it's like, okay, here's all the administrative stuff. I'm reading the invoices. I'm reading the contracts. And I like doing that kind of thing. I like pushing paper. A lot of people, it makes them crazy. But I like pushing paper. But I also like interacting with people. And owning a restaurant gave me that um, where I can actually, especially since we started in the farmer's market, I could actually go to somebody, Hey baby, how you doing? And I didn't have to look at it as sexual harassment or corporate <laughs> red tape and all of this bullshit. It's like, wait, I just, I would pull people into the kitchen. Like when we would get really busy, some of our favorite customers will go wash their hands because we're at the farmer's market. This was way, way pre COVID y'all. So don't get your panties in a bunch. Um, but they would go wash their hands. They would come back and they would help us get all of our food out and we would feed them for free. And so I would not be able to do that in somebody else's restaurant. And so the more I did it, the more it just sucked me in when we decided to close the restaurant, because I told Neil, I said, I don't want to do this with you anymore. I want to be married to you, but I don't want to work with you anymore. (laughs) But I decided that because everybody was always asking me, how do we do our business and how do we grow our business? I saw the the um, the struggle of so many new businesses and understanding it from a different perspective. I even have more respect for the people that I used to hate as employers because now I understand it from an employer side because we had like 16 employees and dealing with all of those attitudes and just dropping a sleeve of of lids is costing me money and all of these different things. And it's like, okay, people need to understand all of these different tweaks and and stop playing with their business. I hate when people call their business small, but yes, I know it's small. I hate when people say, oh, I just do this. I hate that. No, you're not just doing anything. You're doing something you're good at. And because you can get paid for it, that's all the better. Mm -hmm. I hate when it's said, oh, well, it's a side hustle. No, sweetie, it's a business. I don't care how much, how much or how little you make at it. It's a business. So it's getting people to respect their business for what it is. I don't care if you keep your job or not, but respect your 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 business for what it is. It's something viable. It's something tangible. It's something that you can get paid for. So why are you diminishing it by using words like just and small and old side hustle and, and all of these other things? And I think, I, well, I know I want people to just own the fact that they're great at this. You may not be great at business, but you're great at that thing that you do. So let somebody else help you understand the business. And I want to see people beat the the whole five-year statistic bullshit. Oh, most business was the 65, 70% will be gone in, in five years. That doesn't have to be true. If people stop being greedy and we have we stop looking at it from a com- competitive perspective and understand that we're building relationships both internally and externally with our staff and with our customers then sweetie, why are we competing? Because you might be close today and I'll stop and get your burger, but I'm going to this burger place tomorrow because they got some ambiance and I'm going to that burger. So people are going to go where the fuck they want to go. Yeah, It has nothing to do with them comparing you or, or, or the competition. The competition is in your head. Right. Not yeah. the clients of the person. You don't want to be around those people who are like making spreadsheets on which burger is better. Mm-hmm. 
like that's how you, if you did that then you would be putting what the 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 travelers out of business the ones like oh we're going around and testing the best chinese food they would run out of chinese food to test mm -hmm. if there was only one great one it's like okay this one is good for this and this one is good for that and once you find out what it is that people are coming to you for then that's what you build your brand from. If it's something that you want to do, if it's something that you want to hate, that's what you might want to stop doing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so good at it. I know so many people who have jobs that they're good at that they hate. So you know what? Find something else to do. <laughs> One of the things that I love about you, Phyllis, and where I first, when I first saw you talk about this, this is where I'm like, I love this lady. And it was when you were talking about on Twitter about what pisses you off when people who are one person businesses are belittled by other people saying, no, you're a freelancer. You're mm -hmm. not a business. You're a freelancer. You won't understand what I go through yeah. because I have fill in whatever word you want to say. Bullshit, and when, yeah. when you're talking about that, like to me, I'm just like, that speaks to me because that's where I am. I, it's the decisions mm -hmm. that I've made where I don't want employees where I want to be, you know, a, a small, business of one, a business yeah. of one. It's, and that's mm -hmm. naturally going to be smaller mm -hmm. because I'm one, yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so when, when I heard you saying that, I'm like, this, this lady gets it. And, and it's, it's with the understanding, cause I'm actually, and I'm just dragging my feet. Cause like I say, my, this past, this past few weeks was just very emotional and, and mentally draining for me with my aunt. But um, the blog post I'm working on is like when we're when we're trying to build these businesses, there are people that will go out and they're able to get VC money because people who want to make money want that to get into market. But then there are other people out here. They just want to run their business because I want to be able to take care of my family. I want to be able to take off when I want. They have all these other more personal issues of why they, they want a business. But when you start telling them or telling them to brand by looking at these bigger companies as example, sweetie, no. Don't look at them as your example. I love Apple. Me and my husband were fussing in the movies last night at Wakanda Forever, fussing about his Samsung versus or his Joy versus my versus my iProduct. We're in the movie, okay? <laughs> but and so it's it's with the understanding that you know what you don't have to want to be as big as them. But when you compare yourself to them, when they tell you to do a competitive analysis, then they're telling you, oh, look at them and compare yourself. Sweetie, there are businesses that have been around for 10 or 20 years. They have all these employees. Why am I comparing myself to them? But then you won't respect it if I tell you to compare yourself to this successful business of one because you want to grow to that bigger company. But sweetie, right here, right now, right here, you're at this level. So look at this successful person and then grow from that. Mm -hmm. You may not know them. They may not be all over the place. They may not have written any books but they're successful at this level and they're fine with this level. So can you achieve that level? Well, I don't want to be like them. I want to be like, sweetie, that's why your fucked up attitude is going to leave you stuck and struggling because you're trying to grow too fast. And so many people want to leap over all the things that it, it takes to grow a business and a brand because they don't want to look at the smaller successful companies. They want to look at the bigger ones and say, okay, but now I got imposter syndrome. Yeah. Well, I, 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 do you know they have a team, a marketing team, a research team, a, a HR department? They got all of the, these other things that are helping them. Mm -hmm. You don't have those yet. But yet and still, they're telling you, oh, well, look at this and make the comparison. Or they're telling you to go after these bigger companies because they have the dollars. 
sweetie, you don't have the confidence to go after those bigger companies mm-hmm. because you're still a business of one. Yeah. You know, there's some, my dad, he, like you say, he was an arrogant dude. He didn't care about going after somebody with a whole lot of money. He would walk in the room like he owned the shit, but not everybody has that attitude. And if you don't, then you have to learn that level of confidence. It's one of the things I talk about when I do branding is developing a brand ego. It's not about being arrogant. It's not about being self-serving. It's about, you know what, let me have a level of confidence at this branding level because I, I have a personal brand and I have a business brand. So how am I going to grow from these things? So it's it's okay to look at some of the smaller business and say, okay, let me reach this level of success. And you might find that you're fine here, but the only thing that I caution them against is that your brand will mature. So there are certain things that you're going to have to repackage and rebrand in a certain way to continue to make your money. Otherwise, you're going to get stagnant and your business will start to die. So understanding the level of maturity that you're trying to reach and trying to maintain, you can keep going for years. It does not have to say that I see so many mom and pops, especially restaurants, because those are near and dear to my heart. But I see so many of them go out of business because they reach a level of maturity and they start to die. And they know they don't know how to repackage the burgers and the pastrami's and the fries and the the breakfast for five dollars and all that stuff. It, you all are doing the same thing, and there's one on every corner. How can you repackage this so that you can maintain your level of maturity? They want to think it's about the food, and it's not. It's not. So one of the things that you're saying a lot is brand, personal mm-hmm. brand, business brand, brand ego. Yeah. For the listeners right now who hear that and have one understanding of what brand is right or wrong. What Mm -hmm. is brand to you? Brand to me is relational and regardless of what people consider, even with bigger brands, because I have a relation with Walmart. I have a relationship with target or Target, whichever one you want to call it. (laughs) I shop there with animosity. I shop there because you know what, if (laughs) if it's my pocket at the moment, yeah. But if I could support a smaller business in the same fashion, I would. And what people don't understand is that you can't charge what big box stores charge because they're basing theirs on volume. Sweetie, you're not, you're not getting yourself at the discounts that they get it at. So yes, you should charge more. But what that means is that you people are going to look at you crazy. Like, why are you charging so much? Bitch, because I had to pay more for my shit. That's why. <laughs> and so it's, it's with the understanding that as long as you're not going for the gouge, and so forth, but understanding that you know what I charge more because I do a better quality product. They get this like they can get a hundred done in ten minutes, where I can only get ten done in ten. You know, yeah. so there's all these different things that play into it. But making that relationship, regardless of what that relationship looks like, like I said, I, I gave up my relationship with Starbucks years ago. I used to actually have a Starbucks budget, but then, um, and I'm not a flag carrying Black Lives Matter person. But when the person at the time who was running the thing said that their employees couldn't wear the Black Lives Matters, but they could support LGBTQ and all of those things, when they said that, I was done. I was done. I I was so done. I actually sold. I actually sold my Starbucks stock as well. Hmm. That's how done I was with that. And people like, well, you're only one person. It doesn't matter. But it matters to me. Mm-hmm. My relationship with Starbucks was over. And whether just and it was it was. Only that one person, but you know what? That one person was the head and the 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 whole at the top of everything that this company stood for. Yeah. And if the brand stood for something, he should have been along with it as well. But he's letting you know, I'm not, I'm not with this. 
So you know what? I'm not with you. And I haven't bought Starbucks since. Yeah. And that was years ago. My daughter still owns her Starbucks stock. If she wants to buy it, she still can. It's just my choice. Mm -hmm. So my 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 relationship with them was over. And in the relationship that that people don't understand when we're talking about branding, they talk about business to business or business to, to consumer. Sweetie, it's always human to human. Mm -hmm. And that's what they miss. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to build your brand to target this particular business, there's a human behind that that you need to get to. That's who you need to be targeting. If it's the 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 marketing person or the HR person or the research person, that's who your brand should be targeting. Not the head and the CEO, because they don't give a fuck. It's like, all we want to make sure is that we continue to make the money because it's about our bottom line. Right. So understanding that brand is about relationship and it's a human to human thing and take out the business to business or the business to consumer. Because if you're looking at me as a consumer, then all you're worried about is how I fit on your bottom line. But if you actually give me the human to human type of vibe, then you know what? I give you all my money because I like your shit and I want to get down with you and we want to stay friends forever. <laughs> because you are taking care of me on a level that that I want to continue to have this thing. Yeah. And because I bring it into my life, that means it can get generational because I bring it into my daughter's life. My daughter's an iPhone fan too. Me and her, me and her was ganging up on her dad. <laughs> so when you're building these relationships, you if you look at it beyond the just one and done, but look at it for the lifetime and possibly the generational um transference. Then brand is more than just business to business and business to consumer. There's so much, there's such a deeper thing if you look at it human to human. So that's where I go with branding. I love that too, because it's a a recurring theme through the stories that you're telling is that human to human connection. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you were at the farmer's market pulling people in and they're washing their hands and they're helping you set up the food. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's a human to human relationship. Yeah. What does it look like now that you're doing what you're doing? Because and I tell people my my journey was from barbecue to branding, so figure that out. But um, but now what I do based on what I learned about brand strategy, it has its place, but it no longer fits me, and so I kind of rebel against. Well, not kind of fuck it. I rebel against what I was taught. Let me put it that way. Where, like I said, the competitive analysis, no, I'm not comparing my clients, any of my clients to anything. And the way brand strategy normally works is that you sit in, you do workshops, and you get your clients to tell you all this information. And based on that information, you begin to build out their brand. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, you have another sit down. It's like, okay, this is the, the direction you should take. I don't do that. I'd rather work with you. No, shit, I'm not sitting down here and doing all this by myself. <laughs> You want to sit down here and do this together because especially because I focus on solopreneurs, because you're a business of one, sweetie, all this branding is coming from your heart, mm -hmm. literally. And so when we do this thing, if you need to pivot because you're deciding that this is not how I want to grow, I'm right here with you. And because you're a solopreneur, you're no longer doing this by yourself because so many people are trying to build brands by themselves and they don't understand it. So what they would rather do, I'm rebranding, I'm redoing my website, I'm getting a new logo. That's facade bullshit. That has nothing to do with everything that you build a relationship with. And so I rather I do my the work that I do is done with you instead of done for you. Mm -hmm. Because if you start to buy into your branding and your brand strategy at the done for you stage, you don't get it until 30 days out. They finish and they told you how to go and do it. But if I'm sitting here with you and I'm doing it with you and I was like, OK, let's activate this and see how it's going. OK, how does that feel for you? OK, now let's move to the next point and let's see how this is going. 
And as and as you grow, you this whole thing is being baked into you. And because I talk about connecting the dots of life, brand, and business, we're not code switching shit. Mm-hmm. Sweetie, you're able to be consistent across the board. Okay, yes, there's a level of, of boundaries that go across all three. But because you're able to show up consistently, whether you, like ghetto country is me at home, life, brand, whatever. <laughs> now, that's not to say I would disrespect someone's space. If I'm going and talking to someone, I call everybody sweetheart. I got kicked in the shin for calling the head of Hallmark sweetheart by my cousin. <laughs> but I call everybody sweetheart. I'm my my sweethearts are not discriminatory. Mm-hmm. But when you when you're when you're talking about this whole thing of me being consistent across me just being me, mm-hmm. there's still, there's lines that I will not cross. I was doing a keynote in um, in Oregon and I was going down this path. I was like, you know what? I keep my petty to my personal. So let me stop telling this story. <laughs> and I had to flip the script on my keynote because petty is not meant for my brand or my business. It's meant for my life. I can sit over here and be a petty ass bitch. Yes, I know that. But I do not bring that into my brand and my business. Now, if I step outside of that because you've taken you've made it personal, then yes, you're gonna get all the crazy that I have. But as, as far as like over here, you're gonna get all the motherly love, you're gonna get all the pushing, you're gonna get all the cheerleading, but you're also gonna get the kick in the ass. Come on, sweetie, this is what you said you wanted. And what I found, believe it or not, what I found with a lot of my clients, not a lot, but enough, is that once they realize how much work that they actually have to do to build in order to be able to scale back on the building, they don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're going to build a business and a brand, sweetie, there's work involved. And it's not the day-to-day transaction of doing the thing that you're great at. If you're great at painting, that's all lovely. Spend most of your time painting. But there's going to come a time where you have to be a brand leader and a business leader. And you're going to have to put on those hats. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to sell. Then you're going to have to hire somebody to do the selling for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to hire somebody to do the administrative part for you, but you still need to have an understanding of it. We have seen so many people be taken advantage of because they they have their gift, talent and ability over here and someone else will exploit it and take all the money. And now they're sitting over here broken on the curb. Because you didn't know enough about your business to, you know, what? no, you cannot sign my checks. No, you cannot have my account. No, no I'm not signing this contract. When I used to read contracts for my husband, when he was doing TV stuff, one of the things that that I noticed that in all television contracts, it usually says in perpetuity. You can Im- use my image, my likeness, my voice, my whatever in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And they because you're because they consider you a nobody, they will not take that out. It's like either you take it or leave it. And because so many people want the opportunity to be on TV, they leave it. But then once you realize that, you know what, I didn't do that. Why is my face and stuff over there? You have no recourse. So do you sign it? People have signed away their names. And this is why I say you can't be your brand because, baby, if you're your brand and somebody buys it, guess what you're left with? Nothing. Nothing. And it's so, like I say, there's so much more to this game than just being good at what you do and being good at what you know. You have to understand the business side of it as well, at least to the extent to be able to hire well. Mm. And so that is being a business leader. Hire well. Hire someone to do your selling. Hire someone to generate leads for you and so forth. But don't be pissed off about it. Why are they charging so much? Because your punk ass won't do it. (laughs) They can charge because you don't want to do it. Yeah. So it's it's one of the things that pisses me off. 
that people have gotten into because they do believe they're their brand and all that stuff. Um, when the sound um, came out, everything is content. Mm-hmm. I said, that's some bullshit because what they're telling you, every the reason everything is content is because it's great for the platforms. It's great for the house. It's not great for the gambler. As long as you're putting out content, these platforms are thriving. But as soon as you stop, then you know what? Who's going to pay for an ad? Mm-hmm. This is what's killing these big ass businesses right now. They don't have access to your information like they used to. So it's like, why am I advertising here? Why am I putting my my ad money here? But because you believe that everything is content, so you're showing me your toast in the morning, which I don't give a fuck about. Because you're showing me your toes in the sand, which I don't give a fuck about. But because you're, they're telling you everything is content, you're putting your life on display. You're not saving anything for yourself, except maybe sex. And even those, those have platforms. <laughs> right. I get the impression from you that you just know exactly who you are and you just don't let anything else get in the way of being who you are. And like, how, how have you learned to just be yourself? I don't know if it comes with maturity because, because they say the older you get, the less fucks you give. (laughs) So that might be a part of it because I am 57. I ain't ashamed about it. Um, But also knowing that I want to raise my daughter to be independent and to think for herself and know when to walk away from something. And I think everybody, that is a big point for me because so many people will compromise themselves. But then the reason I I do branding the way that I do it, and I ask people about, it's not about putting your personal life on display, but it is about not having to code switch because so many people, once they reach a certain level, they get caught with their pants down. It's like you was doing the shady shit all along and you thought it was something that you needed to hide. And maybe it is because you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. But if it's not, then why is it? Why are you embarrassed about it now? If there are things about your life that are embarrassing, then maybe you shouldn't try Because I ask people, what do you want to be famous for? Mm-hmm. Being famous for this thing does not mean that they won't find out about the shady shit. Because uh, there's an old scripture was it was done in the dark shall be brought to the light. Mm-hmm. I wrote um, a memoir back when my daughter was 10. She's 15 now. And I tell people, if there's anything, all my dirt is, all my dirt is out there. Yeah. And the reason I, I am as transparent as I am, I don't tell you intimate things, but I'm very transparent and I'm be- very vulnerable because, sweetie, there is nothing that, about my life that you could ever use as a weapon against me. Mm. You can never make me feel bad about who I am. And I think that's what people do, especially when when you get into the comparison and the competitiveness. Yeah. Oh, well, what about when you did what? People like I tell people I was a hoe. I was a dumbass hoe because I wasn't even getting paid. So, yes, I know this. How are you going to try and make me feel bad for that? That was low self-esteem issues. But now you're trying to make it seem like it was a bad business. This is yeah, nothing to do with my business. Mm-hmm. It was being young and dumb and inexperienced or feeling unloved. Yeah. So there are certain parts of, of your life. It's like. You know what? I don't mind sharing. I will tell you everything. Like I said, I'm not going to get intimate with you. But if there's, I tell you, can ask me anything, business related or not. But you know what? Don't ask what you don't want to know. Mm. And so if if you can get to that point of, you know what? This is just all the things that I've been through that whether you regret it or not, are what make you the better person that you are today. So why are you embarrassed by that? Yeah, It doesn't have to show up in your business. It doesn't have to show up in your brand. But there's no reason to hide it either. So I used to be upset and uncomfortable being ghetto country. Where I lived in in, in different spaces, 
usually a lot of the functions I went to because I was trying to get to the next level were full of white folks. And talking bad English and being ghetto, I, I would always sit quiet mm. because I was embarrassed about my loudness. I was embarrassed about my bad English, about my vernacular and so forth. And I will put on that professional, as we say, tone. And it got old because the more I tried to make other people feel comfortable, the more I felt uncomfortable. It's like, why am I even here? Right. And there are places that I would like to go, but I will probably never go because you will not put me in a place where I will feel uncomfortable. When I was uh, when I was asked to come speak at Ben Design, I was like, okay, y'all know what you're getting, right? Because <laughs> I'm I'm because I, I used to live in Oregon. I know how vanilla it is. And it was it was I started to kind of regress. It's like, OK, this is the first time I've been on stage in a minute and I'm doing it in front of all these folks. And then I'll, there used to be this thing and I had to stop doing it to my daughter as a black person. It's like you always talk about, you know what you represent, but you represent well. And I'm like, why am I putting that fucking weight on my daughter and why am I putting it on myself? If you judge all black people by my level of crazy, you know what? That's on you because <laughs> I know everybody's not like me. That's why I don't even like all people. Yeah. But it's, it's with the understanding that, sweetie, you're allowed to have a life. You're allowed to have mistakes. There is nothing embarrassing. Whether you was a hoe, whether you was a nerd, whether you were a gangster, whatever it was. If it puts you in a better place and a better position to be able to lead from, then, sweetie, own it. Yeah. I'm I'm all for owning your crazy. It doesn't have to sit out on the porch every day with you, but it's like nobody can ever use it a weapon against you because people will come, well, you didn't go to this school. Well, you never finished school. So I still make more than you do. <laughs> what? Well, you live in this neighborhood. How do you know I don't live here by choice? Because right. I want to represent this neighborhood. You think everybody that has to live here has to be on a certain level. People are going to make judgments and they're going to make decisions based on appearance. Mm -hmm. One of the things that used to piss me off when people say, I don't see color. Sweetie, that's the first thing you see. I am six one, not small. And I'm a black woman. Really? You don't tell me that shit. Yeah. But it's, it's when I see you, it's like, when you, Ooh, damn, you look good. But then you open your mouth and you just fucked up the whole picture. Hard <laughs> <laughs> thing. We make judgments based on appearance. It's just a reality. But it's, it does not. And the thing I had to accept that people judging me based on how I speak and how I roll and how I show up mm -hmm. has nothing to do with my level of education. It, has, it takes nothing away from my degrees, from my certification, none of that. So if you want to judge me by the fact that I say fuck and I use a whole lot of bad English because that's how I grew up in my mama's house, then you will never get the brilliance that is me because how I show up is not how you show up. And I show you how to show up for yourself, yes. not for me. Because I might not even be your ideal client. So why do you care? As long as I get you to the place of getting the ideal clients that you want, of showing up for the people who want to relate to you, and you get to do it and still be yourself. How about that? Yeah. That That is a thing for me. And then you build a brand from that. You build your company around that. It's an installation for you. It's like everybody that, well, not everybody, but to the best of your ability, almost everyone that you hire fit into a culture that helps you stand taller, that helps you lead better. And as you begin to lead, they see your leadership and it's like, you know what? I want to work here. I want to work for you. And then that makes them a better person by comparison. And, and yes, you're going to get the greedy people that want to come in just for a paycheck. And if you hire them, you hire them. That's fine. But you're getting the productivity from them that you need. 
even if you don't get the culture fit. But you have to watch the level of toxicity that you allow in because we can't totally shut it out. Right. We, hell, we got toxic in our families. We can't <laughs> get rid of them. Hell, we're related to everybody's blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But being able to own that, you know what, this is who I am, but learning how to do it in a way that fits your brand. And this is why I say there's a point where I, I talk about your personal brand endorses your business brand. Don't pitch, don't sell, you endorse. But there's comes a point where your business brand and your, your personal brand should be growing apart so that your business can sustain itself. Mm-hmm. So when you decide to leave and people are still representing the brand over here, they represented how you want it to be. And then you're able to go off somewhere and stay for six months or however long you want to stay, or you're able to hire. You know what? As long as you keep my brand intact, as long as you lead this way, I can hire a new president and I can go back to working in the kitchen where I had the most fun anyway. <laughs> right. But you're just running things. I, it, it takes nothing away from me to be able to lead you to be able to do this because I don't necessarily want to do it forever. Mm-hmm. When I talked about scaling my business and the way that I want to scale it, some of my clients are like, you better not bring in any other grandmas. You can bring in an auntie, or uncle or whatever, but don't bring in any more grandmas. <laughs> but it's, you know what? How I decide to scale that or how I decide to help people do what I do, it's not really up to them. It's up to me. Yeah. But I do take it into consideration. But, you know, I might be your grandma, but I might be able to give somebody else a different level of grandma. Everybody might not be able to handle the candid one, but they want the one that's a bit more loving. So if I can just the process is the process regardless. But the level of interaction and relationship, as long as she still represents the brand and she brings her own flavor to it. Sweetie, this is the grandma they need. They don't need the strong version of me. They need the the softer version of this, or they need the male tone of this. They need a man to stand in front of them and you know what? This is this is this is grandpa, and he's representing for men. It doesn't take anything away from me to help other people be grandparents. The reason I choose grandma and grandma's house and so forth is because a lot of people are missing that nurturing piece. Yeah, and parents tend to be nurturing. I don't care how they nurture. They could be like, say, I know I'm a bad parent. My daughter still loves me, but I know I'm not the greatest parent, but I nurture her in the way that I know how. So if if I create more brand parents that help you brand in a way that you don't have to code switch, that you don't have to shut part of yourself off, but you still don't have to go out dancing and pointing and doing all the fuckery that, that, that the reels and TikToks want you to do because con- everything is content, then it's better for you. I want you to show me your results. I don't give a rat's ass about the no like and trust of it all. Because if you show me that you're good at what you do and you build a relationship with me, it's automatically going to be a build trust. Yeah. I know how you are. If you came into my house right now because of how me and my husband are, how we were in our restaurant, you can, my husband, baby, can you go fix him something to eat? This baby is hungry. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. So it's no different. I met a, a, a young guy on the at the airport and found out he lived here. And we were both traveling. And I told him, I said, well, sweetie, give me your number. I said, because you're at college and your parents are somewhere else. I said, if you need a home-cooked meal, I'm going to invite you up. I don't know this boy, but because it's who I am. Yeah. And because I am that, you know, let me come home, bring you home. I don't cook, but my husband's going to fix you a plate, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but there's that, that kitchen of, approach again. You're bringing people in. It's bringing people in. And so trying to shut part of that off in my business does not work for me. If I can invite you, because like I say, out here, these are potential clients. But once you're here with me, 
And yes, money has transacted. But even after that transaction, now you're a fan. Now you get to see Neil bring me a plate of food while he brings me my coffee. You hear my daughter peeking up, and all of that kind of stuff. So now you're part of my family. That does not mean that I won't charge you. That does not mean I'm going to give you a discount. It just means like you're part of my family. Mm-hmm. But th- th- I still get to hold on to that. I still get to hold on to that nurturing piece, that empathic part of me. As far as my, and, and the same goes for people that I used to, that used to work for me. I am that tough love mama. And whenever I hire somebody new, I would ask the crew that was on, what is my number one rule? Don't fuck with our money. That's all you need to know. We can grow everything else. <laughs> but it was also with the understanding that when Eric was in schools, Eric is studying marketing. Did you do your homework? You cannot have a shift if you did not do your homework. Mm-hmm. I will not have your mom up here raising hell with me because you didn't get your shit done. Juan was coming off of, he was coming out of the Air Force and he wanted to get into he wanted to get into politics and all this stuff. I got him an internship with the with one of the council members. No, you don't stay here. I don't need you to stay here, sweetie. I'm going to work this out regardless of what, because this is me and dude's thing. It's not your thing. Mm-hmm. So let me make sure that you get to what it is that you're trying to do. It does not take anything away from me. Yes, I had to spend more time cooking, which I hate. But my baby still need to be nurtured in a way that, you know what, go do your thing. Go do your homework. Go study for the test that you got to do. Go get there. One of my one of my babies, um, and I'm gonna tell you tell you a sad story. One of my babies, his mom actually helped him come in and get a job. His mom was a friend of mine, and she was like, hire him. And this baby didn't know what he wanted to do. He was great at a lot of things. He was very talented, and he he started working for us, and he got more and more into cooking. But he was also good at photography. He was great artistically and creatively, and he had all these different gifts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you want to do, Cameron? And he said, I still don't know. And I said, okay, we'll do this for me. I said, I want you to go to culinary school. I said, and for every class, every semester that you pass with good grades, I will give you a raise. Mm-hmm. So he went for about a year and he said, I can't learn anything else from that. I said, that's fine. That's fine. So he went and got another job. Mm-hmm. He still stayed with us, but he went and got a second job because he wanted to learn something other than barbecue because of what he... He started getting into fine dining and I'm like, okay, go do your other job. And I would ask him, what time do you have to be at work? Cause I need to make sure you're off here so you can be there on time. Mm-hmm. He grew from that and he started coming into the kitchen and he would make certain things and he wanted me to try. I'm like, dude, you know, I eat this bougie shit. Don't be bringing me this. <laughs> <laughs> and when he had to quit because he started getting other opportunities, when he had to quit, he cried. He said, I don't want to leave. I said, you can't stay. Like I said, this is me and Neil's thing. This is not for you. You have to go. And he kept, he, he, he started advancing in his career and he found his love and it was all in the cooking and the preparation and so forth. And he ended up getting hired at this really prestigious restaurant in Mount St. Helens somewhere, working with his top chef and all of that kind of stuff. But he got so into it. He at work late one night, he was driving home and it's very hilly. And he ended up driving off the side of the road. But to know that my baby was doing what he wanted to do before he left this, like I say, it makes it makes me sad, but it also makes me proud because he could have left this earth not finding what he wanted to do. He could have left here still wondering, what am I good at? But he, even though he died, he died doing something that he loved. He worked late doing something that he loved. So I don't, 
so why am I going to try and hold somebody back from something like that? That doesn't make sense. Why am I trying to hate on him? Because he went and worked on another restaurant. He found his passion and his love, his gift and his talent made room for him. You might find that you started a business one way and it's like, it takes you something totally different. I started off this, this whole journey that I'm on right now. I started off doing barbecue with my husband from the kitchen table, serving lunches, went into a farmer's market, went from a farmer's market to catering, went from catering to two restaurants to this is some bullshit. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) But it, it has gotten me here. So I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for every smoky second of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's what I want for everybody. How you start, you may find that right now this is your passion, but the personal brand of you can always be the same no matter what business you start. Yeah. Ghetto country, it may drop the brand mom become something else, but the ghetto country for me is always there because that's the nurturing part of my history. It's my mom's house. It's my dad's house. It's my, my family table where my aunts and uncles drank and played dominoes and cussed and all that stuff. All of that comes with me with the ghetto country. I was raised hood adjacent by a country mama. My mama and from Texas. I'm back here now, but my mama and from Texas. I was born and raised in LA and people swerving down. You're not from the South? Nope. I learned Southern hospitality from my mother and I get to enjoy it with my husband because he's also from here. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these different things that get to carry with me as my personal brand. My business brand? No, there's no ghetto country in that and how, how I will continue to grow and scale it. But there is a level of, you know what, you have to have some level of empathy because people are out here putting their lives on the line, literally, mm-hmm. to start businesses and brands. There are people out here sacrificing. So why would you give them anything less than than the, than at least that level of empathy for them? Why would you not try and find out, baby, how do you stand best? When, when I started this whole thing, the foundation of branding was purpose, vision, mission, values. That's the, that's, that's the foundation for most brands. Mm-hmm. For me, it's code. Like, what is, what is the code of, of what we're going to do right here? This is your brand identity, your code, your DNA, which is what are you, what are you contemplating for your future? Mm-hmm. What objectives do you have? What are you dedicated to? And how the fuck are you going to stay ethical? Because that is something that is so lacking in so many businesses. Yeah. Let, let's, let's accomplish something. I don't, your values don't mean shit mm-hmm. if you're not ethical about it. Yeah. You can have a purpose all day long, but you know what? Where's the commitment in that? What are you, what are you contemplating for your future? And what objectives do you have? You have to have some objectives for the business, for the brand, for you. There's objectives mm-hmm. for how you want to grow and scale. It's, this is your code. This is your DNA. So you can go ahead and do the purpose, vision, mission, values, bullshit. But I think that's more for you when you get beyond the business of one. Right now, we're at the business of one. So let's break the code of your DNA and then grow from there. Yeah. So that would be it for me. That's amazing. And I'm I'm not saying this to like fluff you up or anything, but like I just appreciate the way that you even in the way that you're sharing, you're honoring me, you're honoring people that are listening wherever mm-hmm. they're at. And I just appreciate that a lot. No problem. And I think they, I think they should be honored Yeah, because people, people, people who don't have an entrepreneurial mindset, they think this shit is easy <laughs> and they, they have a misconceived notion that you're sacrificing, not realizing that you're willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
And to them, it's like, why don't you just go get a job? It's easier. No, it's not easier eating bullshit all day. It's not easier eating corporate red tape. It's not easier. It's just different. Sacrificing for myself is a whole lot better than sacrificing for someone else. Me working long hours away from my family for you. Why is that better than me working long hours away from my family for us? Mm. Like I said, I'm sitting here doing a podcast. My daughter's my daughter's been homeschooled since the fourth grade. There is seldom a time that we're apart. And I pay for vacation. Y'all let me leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> my Me, my husband, and my daughter have been rolling since we started this thing. Yeah. And people don't understand, like, why are you, your husband calls you all the time. I wish he'd stop. I love him. But I never get a chance to miss him. Yeah. I'm not going nowhere or not, nothing like that. But it's, it is it is what it is. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I wish my husband would call me. Here, I'll have my husband call you. What's your number? <laughs> <laughs> to sacrifice for somebody else does not make sense if you're not willing to sacrifice for yourself. Yeah. And people don't get it. Well, Phyllis, you've you've shared so many amazing points today. What's one last thing you want people to take away from our conversation today? Don't let anybody make you feel bad about the decisions that you make. Mm. And don't even make yourself feel bad about them. I um I recently redid a book. And the reason I redid it is because someone challenged me. They just didn't know they challenged me. But we have a we have a, a tendency to when things don't work out. We feel bad about the decisions that we made. Sweetie, don't sit there and wallow in that shit. You made the decision. It didn't work out. So what are you going to do different? Mm -hmm. If you're going to keep doing the same shit, expecting a different result. Yeah, we know that's foolishness. But if you learn something from it, it's like, you know what? I made a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And don't let people make you feel bad about it. Well, you see, you already messed up. Yeah, I did. Watch me do it different. (laughs) Don't let anybody make you feel bad about the decisions. And don't you feel bad about your decisions whether they work or didn't work, be okay with that shit. Learn from it, lead from it, do something with it, but don't let it be a wasted experience. Yeah. So that would be my last two cents on that. Well, Phyllis, last question for you. I don't know if you're a reader or if you listen to podcasts or or there's anything that you love to help you take in new ideas, but what's currently blowing your mind right now? What's blowing my mind right now is my own writing. I'll put it that way. It's my own writing. And just getting back to that, because I was um, while I was gone, a couple of my books came. I was realizing I don't I didn't even have a copy of my memoir in the house. I was like, okay, let me order a copy of that. Um, But I look at it for the longest time. It was hard for me to call myself a writer because I just wrote. I didn't see myself as a writer. But then I look at the books and I have that book. I have a book that I wish I had finished before my dad passed away, but it's a poetry book and it's poems for me, him and my daughter. So it's like far from the tree. So looking at that and all the other books, it's like, you know what? I think writing is truly my first love and my first passion. So it's, it blows my mind when I look around and I see I actually published a book. And knowing that that I'm working on this current one, which my mentor is riding my ass about. <laughs> <laughs> But hoping that other people don't negate their writing and stop trying to look for people to for traditional publishing. Sweetie, there's nothing stopping you from publishing your book. If you're scared to sell it, then it'll be a book for you and be okay with that. Be okay with it. So yeah, that would be my, my mind blowing right there. That's amazing. 
Well, Phyllis, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work. I I appreciate everything about you, how you show up. And I I've taken more from this conversation than you'll ever know. So thank you very much. Thank you. I, I truly appreciate it. And this was great. This was great. And even though you didn't get to tell me all your podcasting secrets, we can save that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, unfortunately, there isn't really a secret. It's just doing it day in, day out, process, process, process. It's the, it's not really a sexy secret. It's not. A, I know. There never there aren't any secrets. People just don't want to believe that the hard work mm-hmm. is there. I mean, just like you writing books. I mean, you there's no secret to it. You write. Mm-hmm. And and you stick with it and and you finish it uh that's that's the part no one wants to hear yeah i get you on that one i definitely agree with you on that one nobody wants to hear the oh but i have to finish can i just start <laughs> it and it magically works no there's <laughs> no magic i'm really gonna have to listen to this episode again because phyllis shared so many amazing points about what branding is And I particularly love that she shared that business is not business to business or business to consumer, but human to human. That really resonates with me. And it's really something that I try to do for my own business. I try to really connect with other people, other human beings. What about you? I had the pleasure of being on her podcast and she released that episode this week. So I'm going to include the link to that episode in the show notes. If you want to hear how she helped me to understand my own business as well in a new light. And I learned a lot about how I can really position myself in the work that I do for others. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.